welcome to this week's episode of Shitty Christians. I'm your host, Michael Tabor. I'm Zachary Allard. And we are here today with a very, very special episode. Uh, so we're going to be discussing a, in heavy quotation marks, documentary. Uh, moving image. Yes. Uh, <laughs> pictures set to sound and music. Uh, and it's called By What Standard? Mm-hmm. Colon. God's Word. God's Rules. Oh, we're going to get into this a lot, but just to briefly set the stage, mm-hmm. this was made by a company called Founders Ministries, and it is essentially a deeply conservative attempt to take on the Southern Baptist Convention for, wait for it, being way too liberal. Well, yeah, no, I mean, what they're worried about are the leaders of the SBC getting woke. Getting too woke. And destroying the church. Yeah. Uh, and and just to just to pitch it a little bit, I it's absolutely <laughs> it's a two hour documentary that is just nonstop monstrosity. Like it's just people being terrible. Oh yeah. No, like upfront, we need to say this is like this is an amazing two hours of people just telling on themselves, like the just the naked prejudice that they oh, believe. Yeah, absolutely. But for for assholes like us, <laughs> you usually have to go digging for mm-hmm. this shit. That yeah. troll, that troll to get people to be this kind of honest. Like it's also it is it is a gift from heaven, man. <laughs> this is like if Epstein mailed you his black book wrapped in a little bow, being like, "Hey, thanks for taking a look." That that is that is how he got hooked up with Bill Gates though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. He's like, "Hey, check out all my friends." Let's do a brief state of play just about what the past week has looked like mm-hmm. nationally. Uh, I had a chance to attend two more protests in the time since we last recorded. All right. Uh, which was pretty cool. Uh, shocking to all of our listeners, I know, I know, but the police <laughs> stayed the fuck away and they were entirely peaceful. I that That is a huge change. I, yeah. Compared to, you know, people being beaten with batons with their hands up. What's their plan? <laughs> Michael, the police are outside this apartment right now. I know, right? Uh, it, it is, I think, a really interesting sea change for Los Angeles. It's mm-hmm. not something that we're seeing everywhere. Seattle, no. uh, maybe most notably in the past week, has continued its onslaught. I mean, well, I think look, they promised. Michael, if they would just vote some blue in there. You know, Seattle, <laughs> noted conservative enclave. You know, Republicans uh, have run that town for decades, for Michael. Decades. All you need to do is get out there and vote. Yep, that, that'll fix the whole system. Uh, <laughs> Shout outs to Seattle mm-hmm. uh, because they did a very interesting thing, which is they they took over a police precinct. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so after this sort of embattled period of like a day, yeah. the police abandoned the precinct and left it unlocked. Which oh is very gosh. interesting. Uh, and to the organizers' credit, they saw this and were like, you know what? You know what they want? They want us to destroy this shit. Mm-hmm. They want us to burn it down so that they can point this out and be like, look at these violent motherfuckers. So you know what they did instead? What did they do instead? They took over a city block and they set up, functionally, a commune. <laughs> and they have been occupying this block. Mm-hmm. They have security protecting the entrances as well as like barriers to keep mm-hmm. cars from driving in. And they have been playing music and having dance parties and watching like films related to these issues and doing educational seminars and getting food and stuff delivered. And they are essentially running. Wait, are you saying a young Barack Obama's community organizing there? <laughs> uh, keep his name out of your mouth when you're talking about real ones. Uh, 
but it's it's just kind of beautiful That's and like sure cool. it's it's like on some level it is it is cosplaying the kind of change oh, we want to sure, see in the world course. it is it is stepping into a thing and and like being it is literally it, performative yeah absolutely it is but it's also beautiful but it's knowingly performative as it well. is saying like no fuck you we actually can do this ourselves yeah and like you don't get to turn us into this violent thing mm-hmm. uh we're just gonna do us and uh, it's been going on for a couple days now, and it's pretty great. Uh, I think it's just, it really is kind of a beautiful vision for, like, what we could do, even as it is just, you know, a small example. Imagine all the people, Michael. <laughs> God Imagine. damn it. Uh, so there's been a lot more protests. Notably, there were at least 25,000 people in Hollywood on Sunday that went out to protest. The pictures of that were truly Insane. awesome and wild. Um, Beautiful to see. I got to go. One of the protests I went to was specifically for Brianna Taylor, mm-hmm. uh, which we want to take a moment to say, like, of course, happy birthday, Brianna. That's right. Uh, it, what a, what a horrific tragedy. You know, we talked a lot about George Floyd last episode, mm-hmm. but I, I I don't know if we did a great job of centering the countless other Black lives um, yeah. that have been sacrificed for this. Remembering uh, Brianna Taylor, Ahmaud mm-hmm. Arbery, Philando uh, right. Castile, Trayvon Martin. The list goes mm-hmm. unfortunately on and on and on. Uh, people that were either directly killed by police violence or by uh, white people that knew that they had the power of the state on their side when they totally. enacted these murders. Um, and it's just, it was uh, it was beautiful to be a part of some of those protests and get back out there and, and, and see people once again out in force. I have to say, I, I'm truly surprised and so encouraged to see it continue. Absolutely. I, I, if you'd asked and, me a and couple only weeks ago. steam. Would this still be going on? I would have said no. And, like, not in a, like, I hope not way. Not in a bad way. Just, but, like, there's no way I figured it would have the kind of legs once uh, those cops that murdered George Floyd. Once those cops have been charged. But I wouldn't have expected uh, to continue for weeks afterwards. To continue on. Because, like, that's, that's a real small, infinitesimally small thing. But a real thing. And often movements will take that... Yeah, we, we've repeatedly seen already a sort of attempt to buy us cheap, right? Oh, of course. To buy this movement cheap, whether yeah. that's the LAPD offering $150 million of the police budget, which mm-hmm. is a lot of money and yeah, could sure. do a lot of good. It's also less than 10% of the fucking budget. Right. Them. We're going to take that money. Yeah, absolutely. That's what we're going to start with. Um, but also, I don't necessarily trust that the people who are going to be divvying up those funds will be spending it well. But regardless... Look at these gentlemen, these protectors with yeah. AR-15s. Look at these heavily armed social workers we're sending out into the community. Uh, or, you know, with, like, Minneapolis, uh, Minneapolis actually voting to disband their police force. Yeah. Which is incredibly powerful. And, you know, I, I was having this conversation with a family member just last week being like, you know, how do you get your message out there? People aren't mm-hmm. hearing this yeah. message. And all of a sudden this week... Every major news uh, media institution is running an article about what does defund the police mean? What does abolish the police mean? As a leftist who sort of trafficked in these circles for a bit, I always felt like we would never, or at least not anytime soon, have a national conversation about defund the police. Yeah, of of all the institutions. Even um, if you go back to a few weeks ago with our Cop Church episode, we talk about that like yeah. being kind of a pipe dream no so 100 like really i think it, it really speaks to how when thousands of people all over this country organized and moved as one 
Like we can change the conversation. And you know what we mm. need to say, it's an open conversation. I don't know what comes next. I don't know what will actually happen. I don't know how much legs this like movement has to mm. keep fighting for these changes. And I, I want to be wary of being the kind of socialists that are just like, hey, this is the revolution. Oh, um, uh, yes, of course. But we're not trying to do that. I do think we are also at an interesting crossroads in this movement. Um, when tell. we're talking about like the Hollywood protests specifically, you had Michael B. Jordan uh, mm. giving a speech where he was arguing, stop, stop your lust. No, no. <laughs> stop telling me to stop my lust. Have I, you seen that man? I will not comment on that man's very attractive qualities. But, uh, <laughs> you know, he hopped on a mic and this made national news. And what he was essentially arguing for was more diverse hiring in Hollywood. Sure. And of course, you know, we need to say, like, yeah. that is an important thing. Yeah, I agree. There, like, there should be... Hollywood's depiction and the amount of people, especially behind the camera, that are black in Hollywood is paltry. And Absolutely. that should be fixed. I totally agree. And I'm not even going to say that these things aren't entirely unconnected from each other. Mm -hmm. But I did find it strange. Yeah. Uh, that in this moment where we are what we are arguing for is the protection of black life. Right. That somebody hopped on a mic at one of the biggest protests that has happened mm. to say... And somebody ex within a very large platform. In in some ways, changing that narrative. Expanding yeah. that narrative. And and maybe and, I am wrong. And I actually would say the, the problem is, like, narrowing that narrative. Because, yeah. like, listen, sure, yes, hire more black folks in Hollywood. 100%. I think I, as somebody who has spent some time in the business, there are real systemic barriers to poor folks and people of color in the industry. But that's, or like, yeah. I've heard from racists say that, like, black people are fine. They can go play football. Like, this is an incredibly small, esoteric business. Exactly. This is not systemic. This is not, this is not something that is going to help most black people. No. Uh, it's not unimportant. But I, I am wary of anything that seeks to make this message more palpable. Yeah. And less revolutionary. And my, my fear is that, because we've right, seen that, like, that capital, call capital can years. solve it. Exactly. <laughs> that, like, what we really need is to fix fucking Hollywood. And it's like, well... Hollywood has a lot of problems, yeah. 100%. Fuck all those people. Right, and, and, and believe me, we called out Hollywood in our cop episode. Absolutely. Hollywood needs fucking reform. Like having more black voices that have that sort of national platform uh, would be valuable. Absolutely. Totally. Uh, but also maybe fuck off a little bit. Maybe yeah. don't take this moment um, when there are, are people in the streets, when people have already died, not just... Mm -hmm. In the incidents that spawn these protests, but in the reaction to that protest, like we are fighting for something a lot more important and a lot more dangerous and a lot more valuable than than fucking hiring practices. And in the same way that I say fuck off to every corporation right. posting a fucking Black Lives Matter sign, because like, fuck you, what are you doing for your black life that works for you? Um, when people are dead in the street, don't come talk to me. Don't come talk to the nation about how we need a few more black people in a very privileged class that is already going to be radically different from the life experience of 99.9% .9 of this entire country. This is a problem that affects every person. And, and using that platform as a chance to like argue for change that will affect very, very few people uh, misses the like. I think the core of this thing in yeah. an important way. I mean, it, it's it's a problem we have in this country in general. And like, I'm just, I like Michael B. Jordan. He he was just he was looking at his own corner, mm -hmm. saying like, sort of speaking to it. I think probably it wasn't even poorly motivated. I think he was just talking, just talking. I think he was talking on his ass, talking about industry he's a part of that has real problems. Absolutely. And so, but I, 
to sort of draw the analogy past him, and then we can move on. Yeah. But that, like, you know, this is similar to, you know, again, like, I am perfectly happy to side with the players in labor disputes, with unions, with things like the NBA or the NFL or whatever. But these are not analogous situations. And to view, it's similar, the same thing when you look at feminism through corporate feminism. Yeah. Like, I don't necessarily want to talk about Sheryl Sandberg at Facebook. Like, she's not a hero. She's part of a corporation that has, like, arguably destroyed, helped destroy democracy. And so I think it is this problem we have where we can unfortunately only talk about these like really important material issues to a lot of people through experiences that are in no way lived through by basically everyone. I understand that on some level what Michael B. Jordan is talking about does affect the material conditions of some people, but it's hard not to view that as a, an attempt to make the reforms that we're arguing for symbolic yeah, uh, rather than material. Um, and so... That was just one voice. Of course. People were there with signs saying defund the police. Like, you know, the, so I guess the other thing that I'm curious about is like, as we have seen a reduction in police mm -hmm. violence in a lot of cities, not all of them, certainly, uh, just acknowledging that that is a strategy. They realized they were losing the narrative a little bit. So they drew down on this sort of violence against protesters. Yeah. But that in and of itself has done nothing to actually help save black life writ large. And I think there is a danger of when these protests become entirely peaceful, when the cops are no longer fucking killing people yeah. uh, and hurting people at a like wide scale. Like we need to remember that our outrage was never about that to begin with. Like that uh, the thing we are fighting for goes a lot longer than let us protest peacefully. Mm -hmm. And and the the danger is that I think particularly like national news media is just going to stop giving a single shit about this. And so it, it, it strikes me as a very tactical reduction of harm in order to continue to protect the harm that the police want to continue to be able to do. They don't want those changes. Uh, and so my, my, my concern of like what happens next also extends to like, how do we keep the pressure on? when they gave us a pressure release valve yeah, in some and instances. And because the thing is, I kind of wanted to make do a troll here and say, tell you to vote. Uh, but I decided that I would like acknowledge that. Because sure. like, here's what's going to happen is libs are just going to tell you to vote. Yeah. They're going to say like, look at November. Joe Biden wants to shoot you in the leg. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which he literally uh, suggested. And the idea that instead of standing there and teaching a cop and an unarmed person to come at him with a knife or something to shoot him in the leg instead of in the heart is a very different thing. Right, like so, he says that like they're gonna tell you this is the guy to get behind, mm -hmm. the guy who doesn't want to defund the police, the guy who says they should just shoot you in the leg, and so we need. I, I don't know what the next step is. No, we're and not nobody adjudicate does. that now. And, but I and think it's a real question. It's a real question. It's it's a question that comes from an acknowledgement of how valuable this already has yes, been. Of course, and just a question of how do we keep this going. And it's not a question that comes from any sort of judgment about what has happened. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's an enthusiastic question of like, this is fucking incredible. Mm -hmm. How do we keep the pressure on? How do we keep fighting for the material change that people need, black people in particular? So with that said, um, let's move on to the meat of- Michael, what is this? Why were we so excited to spend two hours with a bunch of oatmeal-faced <laughs> Yeah, with white a bunch of old white yelling? racist assholes. Um, <laughs> why, is that, why is that something we wanted to bring to the people today? <laughs> <laughs> I think the value of this documentary of this screed of this two hour YouTube takedown this <laughs> this gotcha comp uh, set to justified music uh, this this documentary I was excited when I found it because it has I think in it a real scope of what 
the largest Protestant denomination really looks like. Yeah. It, whatever else it mm-hmm. is, all the players are on the board. You get to see this moment uh, because it is structured around this one vote that happens at the convention in 2019. In 2019 and we'll delve into that. But you really, <laughs> they spend two fucking hours sort of elucidating <laughs> one vote on a resolution, which by the admission of this documentary has no binding value and doesn't matter. Uh, but is also secretly going to destroy their convention. And Christianity writ large. Exactly. Uh, and I think it's also important because it it is a shockingly honest document. So often with people of faith, mm-hmm. yeah. even when they're saying terrible things, they are wrapping it up in the nicest words. And there is some of that in this. These are all academics, pretty much. Yeah. Almost every person in this fucking movie has a PhD. They all know how to talk. To a certain extent. There's, yeah. a, there's a remarkable smoothness. Yeah. So so there is some of that dressing up, but they really, really, really are very open with their points and beliefs in a way that can be hard to find uh, from the outside. It is the most inside baseball, the most Moneyball document that I have seen in a very long time. And as people that are seeking to critique this organization and really get to the bottom of what it, what is at the heart yeah. of something like the SBC or evangelicalism, like very mm-hmm. much the premise of this show is delving into what is what is the core issue at play in some of these institutions. It, it was just, it was manna from heaven, man. It was a gift. It Maybe- was a gift mailed just to us. It did feel like it was made for me. This is investigative journalism being presented as propaganda. And and clearly the point is not for assholes like us to watch it and critique all this shit. <laughs> clearly the point is for other aggrieved white men in their 50s to talk about how evil the modern SBC is. So, Michael, who made this shit? I mean, that's that, you <laughs> like, might be better at answering. Follow the money is like always an interesting thing. <laughs> 100%. So it's made by something called Founders Ministries. Yeah, this uh, is based out of a church in Florida. The pastor is kind of the main guy. Uh, Thomas Tom, Askell. Or Thomas Assel, yeah. as we are going to refer to him henceforth. Oh, absolutely. He you, jo- you can't give us that and he, expect us not to be juvenile little shits about it. He joins the pantheon of characters like Professor Hercules. Yes. He, it's a pastor of, like, you know, like, whatever, a moderately sized church in Orlando. You know, it's sort of a ministry out of a church. It's just, it's media, right? So they... They publish a journal. They they try to publish books. They want to, quote, recover the gospel. Always. Uh, they also post 50 billion YouTube videos. Yeah, so they have a ton. They have a weekly podcast called, uh, the name of their podcast is Sword and the Trowel. Oh, good. <laughs> and they, it's such a hustle. They have a $10, $25, and $50 level. The trowel level, the shield level, the sword level. Oh, man. You got to go $50 to get that sword, though. <laughs> that would be acceptable for me if they mailed you a sword. But also, let's briefly point out that, like, why is it always fucking swords so and shields with these assholes? These people, we've talked about this before, and I actually think we have to do a full episode about, like, conservative men in evangelical America weaponizing scripture. Oh, yeah. Like, the... the, the and it, it just goes back to a handful of verses in the Bible, where the Bible refers to the Bible as the sword of the spirit. It's a metaphor, and they soup they try to militarize everything all the time because they think it's cool. It definitely it, it's a little bit of LARPing. Every single one of these guys has bought something off the knife show. Every single one. <laughs> That's the best thing you can say about them. Every though, single one of these assholes is the same bald eagle buck knife that they got for five easy payments. There definitely is this this look, and I want to be careful throwing this out here because I'm descended from men who all look like this. This like. <laughs> Between 5'7 and 5'11, sort of like short gray hair, a little tan, and kind of squat. 
Like, yeah, they just, definitely just, just have this particular look. Yeah, it's it's the slightly gone to seed. There's a lot of goatees. <laughs> There's a lot of goatees. Uh, they look like doughier cops. I mean, cops are pretty doughy. I don't even know if I can agree with that. In some ways, these guys are more put together than the cops I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> wow. They made this documentary in 2019, and they got a lot of heavy hitters to be in it. Yes, and, and, and created a certain amount of controversy. The original trailer where we started getting interested in this last year, they dropped a four-minute trailer mm -hmm. that kind of lit the evangelical world of a flame. A bunch of people dropped out, like who sat down for interviews. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Danny they Aiken, who we talked about, who is president of Southeastern, one of the biggest wigs uh, in the SBC. Al Mohler dropped out, some other people. But those guys full-on disowned their involvement with this, even though Founders still has the original tapes to all their interviews and said they would release them but have not yet. Yeah, so... Which makes so, me think they did what not happened get in the, trailer. the right NDAs. Yeah, right. Uh, what happened in the trailer is really fucked up, actually. So in the trailer, they showed Rachel Denhollander. Now, Rachel... Um, distorted black and white and implied that she was one of two women who were enemies of the church here's the problem with that yeah she was one of the first victims to come forward of larry nasser mm -hmm. and has been outspoken about the sbc's abuse of women as a survivor herself uh who is larry nasser for our and, listeners oh yeah larry nasser is the doctor who basically abused hundreds of women for the olympic yeah uh gymnastics team so she, and is in prison for the rest of his life. Exactly. So she herself was a victim of sexual yes. abuse and has been very outspoken about this problem in evangelical circles. <laughs> yeah, most she's notably still, the SBC. Yeah, she's still part years. of the SBC. Yeah. She is a committed Christian. And this movie uh, basically made her look crazy and or evil in the trailer. In the trailer. A bunch of people signed off. The, and then they, they cut those snippets of her and basically never apologized. They just said it was... Uh, they only apologized to say it was an accident. It was an accident. Yeah, this, yeah, this yeah. is not what they meant. My my finger slipped on the evil like voice distortion. <laughs> but and look, it's right there underneath underneath the command key. <laughs> exactly. Who hasn't cut a trailer making a, a trauma victim look evil? Yeah, of course. Of We've course. all been there. Okay. Uh, for all have sinned. So, so that's a that's bunch of people who these dropped people out. Are. Yeah, a bunch of people tried to drop out. But Some they, of their shit's still in the picture. But a lot of their shit's still in here. And more importantly. I want to say a fair amount of these big wigs that have dropped out, I've either spent time with personally or been around people that know them yeah. and have spent time in their culture. And I want to say this comports, what we're about to get into comports completely with what they believe and have said yeah. so, and teach publicly. Exactly. Whatever their feelings about how this was a bad execution, uh -huh. they cannot claim that this is not in some sense what they believe. And That's we'll, 100%. we'll see that. We'll see that in this movie. They only did it because of optics. I want to be extremely clear. Those guys like Danny Aiken and Al Mohler only did it because of optics. Absolutely. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Uh, this film, maybe in reference to that controversy, opens up with the First Amendment <laughs> and the definition of fair use. <laughs> I love the fair use one was my favorite because it's essentially bullshit. Yeah, because fair use doesn't really exist in the way that I frankly think it should exist. Yeah, I would prefer uh, it to, but there's no but it, real legal way it but exists. But as somebody that has spent too much time on leftist YouTube, that is just a thing you put at the beginning of the video to try to protect yourselves from a YouTube takedown. Like, <laughs> there's there's not really any value to it. Well, like, and the First Amendment thing, it just mentions the religion clause in the yes, First Amendment, yes. no other part of it. No, it, really, it really should have done the Star Wars scroll <laughs> of the entire... <laughs> First Amendment. 
how does this heavy quotation marks movie open? So we open on three middle-aged white guys sitting around, an atheist, an agnostic, and a, we're going to say a Christian. Yeah. They walked into a bar. And they're sitting outside somewhere, and they're talking about how you would destroy the church. Yeah. A so. very normal... Na- I will say, as a person with a lot of atheist agnostic friends, we have these conversations daily. <laughs> Constantly. <laughs> I mean, that, what's the point of what we're doing if not to destroy the church from the semi-inside out? That Soros money is really sweet. What can I say? <laughs> Why do you think we don't have a Patreon? <laughs> <laughs> so, they basically say... This, this guy, by the name of James Lindsay, who we're going to get into more eventually. Yeah, we'll talk more about James Lindsay. But this Lindsay. sort of chinless guy who is trying, to, who is doing the Ted Cruz beard. And is in no way affiliated with the SBC, which or is a super funny way to start. He's just this random atheist and sitting he, on And a... he always has this, like, tough guy look that he's about to cry. He has the thing where he's uh, making an argument, and his mouth is thrown. He's like, I'm, I'm not mad. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. he says, what I would do to destroy the church, I would make it woke. Yes, so it opens on the idea that if you're going to try to destroy the church capital c the institution of the church he's like if i was back in my militant atheist days this is exactly the plan i would have hatched because you make you make the church woke and it'll eat itself from the inside out thing we saw in god's not dead one of the favorite things christians love to do is mention any non-christian that agrees with them and about anything whatsoever no matter how putrid and awful that person may be yeah as we'll get to later james Lindsay maybe not the guy you you want to have in your camp yeah but who cares he's, he's saying the shit you want to hear but the, they they cut to tom asshole sitting on a couch and it is just the widest frame of all time they shot this in fucking cinemascope they they shot this in like 189 like they shot <laughs> it's it was, crazy it is absurdly widescreen for what it actually is which is a series of very boring talking heads <laughs> and i i think you're underselling it when you say he's sitting on because he is leaned <laughs> back he is leaned way way back <laughs> And it tells you, this is at the end of the 2019 SBC convention. And then it tells you that Resolution 9 has passed. It doesn't tell you what that is yet. Resolution 9 has passed today. (laughs) And you see, this man looks like he just got done doing the lamest version of battle. And he has leaned back. It's not even a couch. It's like a super elongated bench. Well, I could never, you couldn't see the ends of it, maybe. Exactly. Clearly, like, 70s convention center (laughs) shit. Uh, But he's just... Way, way back, and he's the, the interviewer asked, he's like, so what happened? I'll tell you what happened. What happened? We've been played. We've been played. And I and will say. the dopest music yeah, in the and world then, plays. Real quick. This man is despicable, and it's why I'm very <laughs> upset that he has one of the best voices. That man is just honey drizzled over gravel. Oh, you're, like, you're telling me. Yeah. You're telling me about this dude's voice. It was <laughs> like, very upsetting because for a brief moment, maybe the only yeah. moment in this picture, like, it kind of feels cool. It feels like something is afoot. I'm sorry, it's a good opening. It's There's good... no other way to put it. And then the True Detective music kicks in. Yep. And they start cutting to, like, various scenes from the convention. Mm-hmm. Um, and it of, gets far less cool so quickly. And, and it loses all of that. 
All like, of that. The, what should immediately happen is it should, after that opening, that opening, if it was done right, would cut to him standing in a field holding a cigarette, looking at a sea of bodies. Yeah, and exactly. like, <laughs> and I mean, that, rust, that is what he is hoping for. And just rust coaling the shit out of it. Exactly. Uh, but instead, <laughs> we get a representative of Lifeway. <laughs> yeah. How is that? Your response after saying you get played is you got played. Is, a, is Stephen Miller's slightly effeminate brother. Yeah, like the, how is the that most like... polo motherfucker in this whole movie is <laughs> the next guy up at bat? I don't get it. And this this representative of Lifeway is being interviewed. They don't even give him a name. And someone is like hey, so, like, why is the Southern Baptist Convention the greatest convention in the world? <laughs> Which is... The greatest city in the world. <laughs> it's so good. No, it, it's definitely, he, like, one of those questions that Trump loves to get at press conferences. Yeah. Like, Mr. Why, President. Why is your dick so big, Mr. President? <laughs> you know, some people are saying that. <laughs> yeah, people, people been saying. Uh, and this guy just goes off of it. Oh, we've held the line on the values of the Bible that every other denomination is falling off of. Yep. And then she's like, do you think the Bible has something to say about women mm-hmm. pastors? And he like pauses. Yep. And he's like, I do think the Bible has something to say about it, but I'm not going to talk about it because I'm here as a representative of Lifeway. And I think they should speak to that. And it's, it's set up as this like gotcha. Like, oh, look, the wokeness is already inside the building. <laughs> he's not willing to stand against women pastors this, this random dude in a polo handing out free pens this, on a this convention guy who floor. makes twenty nine thousand dollars <laughs> yeah, a year yeah. being told by pastors do you have this copy of the bible in blue naga high yeah this guy whose greatest innovation was re-releasing dc talk records on vinyl like hey I didn't say we didn't know him. I said it was the greatest innovation. Um, as the sort of intro sequence ends, it cuts to a man by the name of Rod Martin, who is introduced as a futurist. I thought all those people died in World War One in Italy. Like, what? How can you be a fu- you're a futurist? You're a futurist, uh, which I, I think the in the mo- in the modern incarnation, futurist just means obese white man who sits at his computer a lot. I thought it meant Grimes' kid. He's also talking about what a great convention uh, the Southern Baptist Convention is. Well, you have to establish why the Southern Baptist Convention is great. Oh yeah, before you can say get into. The threat at home. I was a Baptist before I was a Christian. I was Baptist before I was Christian. Which I think was true for a lot of us. And then he talks about 15 million people and 12 billion of God's dollars at work. Oh yeah, God's dollars at work. He also, I think this was a mistake on his part, but he <laughs> said, I wrote this down. I went back and wrote this down because I thought it was hilarious. He said 12 billion of God's dollars flowing from the widows and orphans and just regular <laughs> folks to do God's work. It's like, oh no. Yeah, from oh, the widows no. and orphans. I don't know if that's what he meant, but what he said was uh, from that we is are what he, well, no, that money. That is what he meant. That is what he meant, yeah. <laughs> from the widows and orphans to do God's work. I love it. I love the hard work. You of, kind of flip that around a little bit, buddy. The hard work of futurism, buying gleaming chrome weapons to fight the socialists yeah. in Northern Italy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, don't worry, they're going to fight him in the States too. Uh, and yeah, he then goes on to describe uh, something we've talked about on this podcast before, which is the conservative takeover of the Southern Baptist Convention. And what is 
interesting about that, we will this not spend a lot of time on this. Yeah. That they will not shut the fuck yeah. up about. Uh, well, it is it is very much their founding. Like this was this was the first purge. That's for what them. the founder is referring to. <laughs> it is actually. No, I know. He talks about how like we were the only denomination that was taken over by the liberals. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I only dropped the accent in there because it's pretty funny. <laughs> only denomination that was taken over by the liberals and brought back to biblical truth. Mm-hmm. Refers to this moment where the denomination was having an argument over inerrancy. Which yeah. is just like, is the Bible literally true or do we actually have to engage with thought about it? <laughs> and they're having this argument and, you know, these damn liberals are coming into our institutions and teaching our kids to actually think about how the Bible was constructed. It's a real problem. And uh, Paige Patterson comes in and essentially stages a coup. Over the course a of punch. a few years, <laughs> uh, to take over the convention, and this is being described glowingly in 2019. Yeah, which is really interesting because in 2019 we already knew exactly who the fuck Paige Patterson was, which is a man that has consistently, over his entire career, covered up rape and abuse. And I would venture to say, been incredibly creepy to women in his own life. Oh, well, I. I, I know he's been incredibly creepy. Maybe more. Alleged. Alleged. That's um, right. In the game. <laughs> uh, but very much seems to have spent a huge portion of his career uh, covering up rapists in his own congregation. Oh, that yeah. were useful to him politically. Including his second in command, who as it turns out has been molesting young men for his entire life. Um, so that's who Paige Patterson is. But in this telling, Paige Patterson is the hero who saved the faith. And I think it's really interesting. I mean, this this documentary will do a lot to sort of obfuscate the realities of what the SBC is going through and the issues that it has. Oh, like all but it starts, has it starts with this moment of never acknowledging from the first moment that like what actually happened there was that rapists took over your congregation. Well, yeah, and I mean, or your denomination. Uh, so that's how the conservative resurgence. <laughs> gets described by this picture and it's important because now the the argument that it's basically making is that we're back in that moment the liberals are sneaking back in are we going to do this again are we going to put the rapists back on top so then six minutes into this picture it cuts to like national news stories about the sex abuse scandal in the sbc yeah which we've talked about before but thousands of victims hundreds of pastors the biggest like sex abuse scandal since the Catholic Church, yeah. which is fucking saying something. Yeah. So you have the number one Protestant organization and the number one largest denomination in the country, huh? In the world. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In the world and, and in America. Absolutely. Uh, and so number one and number two both dealing with these issues. Really? And I thought it was really. I was like, oh shit, they're gonna fucking yeah. talk about it. And they <laughs> use the reality of the sex abuse scandal basically as a way to say we aren't being complementarian enough. Well, yeah. If we were just good complementarians. And and it, before it actually gets to the sex abuse side of it, it starts with women in the pulpit. Yeah. So they talk about Beth Moore. Yeah. And they, they talk about, they have Dwight McKissick, who is mm-hmm. a, a black SBC um, preacher and a real one. And it cuts to <laughs> dude, an do argument. Dude, rules so hard. <laughs> oh, dude. It's amazing. It's, it's the first voice of reason in this movie. And it's a debate being held by the Founders Ministry between Tom Asshole and Dwight McKissick. And Dwight says, like, we started having problems when we took women away from the pulpit. Like, right. you can't restrict women from mm-hmm. being fully invested in the church. You are creating a subservient class. And when we do that, uh, we are setting up women for abuse. Yeah. Incredibly powerful statement. Really rich Immediately. shit. Immediately. And, and I, I think, and he says, when we send missionaries abroad they are, that are women, which the SBC does, yeah. they're essentially doing the work of pastors. Absolutely. He says, like, he says, like, 
we already have women pastors, but we only let them do it for people of color overseas. Yeah. The, we restrict them from doing it for white men. It's uh, really powerful. It's There are so many great black voices in this movie that then are immediately shouted down, including in this moment. Oh, that's the Tom Asshole response. It's, before Dwight is even done speaking, he's just like, oh, brother, that's not true. Oh, man, when he calls him brother, yeah, it so, is, I, I went, yeah. and so did Dwight. No, absolutely, oh, yeah, no, uh, Dwight hits him with maybe the strongest eye roll. Like, <laughs> Dwight McKissick's eye roll game is hella strong in this, and they really focus on it, because I think they want you to see that as being disrespectful, but it's actually just so fucking boss. Uh, and people are, like, reacting very strongly to it. Like, it's not just Tom. There are mm. people in the audience being like, whoa. And, uh, and then Tom's, oh, that's just not true. That's just not true. Yeah, it's really ugly. Yeah, and then they talk about Beth Moore, and we see brief moments of Beth Moore. We did a whole episode on Beth Moore yeah. uh, that we can redirect you back to because I, I think it is really powerful. Beth Moore, interestingly, as we'll see over and over again in this, also a complementarian. Yeah, we're for far to the left of Beth Moore. Yeah. She considers herself a soft complementarian. A soft complementarian. But she has also made national news for being willing to preach on Sundays, which is a big... And all of a sudden, this woman whose ministry has been continuing basically the same way her entire career mm -hmm. uh, is now a fucking problem. Right. Uh, but then they very quickly sort of get into complementarianism and abuse. And that's when... That I think is when one of the most stunning things ever oh, yeah. happened. So Tom Asshole yeah. is sitting, giving an interview with some sort of bow tie ass motherfucker. Oh, yeah. A bow tie American, if you He's will. He's the founder of the G3 conference. I don't know what the fuck that is, and That's, I will not Google it. That is there not are some good, things man. my safe search is just not set up to G3 protect me conference from. is actually, I know we use this a lot, but I'm sorry, that is the most Epstein shit I've ever heard. That oh, is like yeah. Davos level Epstein that shit. Is, that is absolutely like. The G3 conference is just the Christian Bohemian Grove. Ooh. Like, they're all just in robes and, like, chanting. and That is that is some Shudderworthy shit. Absolutely. Speaking of Shudderworthy, what does this man have to say? So they're talking about how, of course, they oppose abusing women. Very, very big of them, I want to say. I know, I know. They always take this stand, first and <laughs> foremost. But they also say that, like, complementarianism is a way to protect women. Yeah. And that when you have women in the pulpit you are protecting them and in fact if you ask a woman to preach or do something out with outside what they would say is the prescribed role of a woman that too is abuse yes so women being pastors is the same thing as assaulting them as sexually assaulting or hitting them he says that in his movie yeah. that's he was proud yeah. enough of that to say that, like, a woman being this is what I'm saying. This entire thing is just them telling on themselves super hard. But, yes, a woman speaking from the pulpit is the same thing as a rape victim. I, I just uh, phase out into, like, the because of the Eldritch. No, exactly. exactly. No, it, it was maybe the first moment to be like, oh, it's like that, huh? <laughs> like... I can't believe... And they're both smug. Oh, yeah. They're both say, like, like, oh, his, excellent his, point. his take is like, same thing as abuse. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, no, and dude. Other... Why are you chuckling? Why are you chuckling like that? This whole premise of this first half hour mm. that I guarantee you was originally the first hour and a half before they got had this controversy, and I bet they cut some shit out. I bet this was even grosser. <laughs> yeah. I bet somehow oh. this two-hour-long screed was originally, you know, a Lord of the Rings prequel. It had to be four or five. I will do any... Tom Asshole, Give send the us asshole the cut. cut. Set, I want the asshole cut. Yeah. I want the asshole cut. And so they sort of make this case that, like, obviously, abuse is terrible. Sure. But biblical complementarianism protects women. 
because men in their proper role fucking percent. are protectors. Then they have Al Mohler on. Oh yeah. I think I'm I'm gonna say I'm very comfortable saying one of the two or three most powerful men in the SBC. Oh, a, a massive He's voice. President one of Southern. those guys that's always on Fox or the Washington yeah. Post, like. Uh, huge voice in the community, huge voice of the community to the outside world. When I was there, he was essentially considered the dude. Yeah. When I've spent time around the SBC, and and it, he, he looks ago. like the fucking Godfather, so it makes yeah. sense. Like, but uh, so yeah, they're interviewing Al Mohler. Yep. Who is Zach has said is one of the most powerful voices in the denomination. Oh, for sure. And he opens with the question: Do you see a connection between complementarianism and and abuse? Mm-hmm. Which, if we're just looking at the stats real quick, we have to acknowledge we absolutely do. There is a much higher percentage of abuse in complementarian households. We have seen those studies. I do not think it is a coincidence that the two major denominations that are dealing with broad systemic issues of sexual abuse are two of the most patriarchal. Yeah, I mean, the Catholics, and we're going to come for you. Don't worry. Oh, yeah. You'll get your episode. Yeah, we're going to get your series. I frankly just don't want to have to read about you assholes. Yeah, it's going to spend it's going to be 5 hours. However, you, they've literal patriarchs. They call the, you know, the men are called father. It's not a coincidence that they're just all a bunch of rape monsters. Yeah. And then Al Mohler's response is to say, "I'm offended by the question." And he's offended like, "Listen, well, I'm not offended question. by you, but when people ask that, that's uh-huh. just that's just so offensive. Look at Harvey Weinstein. He wasn't complimentarian." And that's amazing. So, yes, let's talk about Hollywood. Yeah, You're let's do right. It. I actually think there's an immense parallel with that. Fuck it. Like, spend a little bit of time around Hollywood, blah, blah, blah. Let me tell you what. If there's one analog to the Catholic Church, to Baptists, in the sort of, like, liberal, not even left. Hollywood is not left. Hollywood is lib. Mm-hmm. Hollywood's identity politics at best, and money is the main thing driving it. Yeah. And- Holly- but Hollywood doesn't have a formal structure. Hollywood has rich people calling the shots. Exactly. Hollywood essentially exists in a patronage system, even in the studio game, mm-hmm. where you have extremely powerful people with essentially unlimited power. The thing that's similar is it's just like the church. You have all these little fiefdoms with producers and directors who have a ton of power, like Harvey Weinstein, Brian Singer. The In Hollywood, when you have money, when you have success, you just have ultimate power over the people beneath you. It's the same way in the church. And so, fuck off. Yeah, I agree. They're not complementarian, but they are the same kind of patriarchal monsters. Yeah, and, and the idea that, like, sexual abuse existing outside of the church means that we don't have to do anything to deal with the ways <laughs> right. that our theology and beliefs it's also a non-sequitur yeah it's 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 just it is the most uh culture war answer to that question Uh, and then he and then he starts doing this thing that we've talked about before the the essence of fashlightism the return to the imagined past so he tells the story it's so amazing he's like back when we were we're about the same age and back when we were young men i tell you what men would not have put up with other men abusing women yep they just they, they wouldn't let it happen. I, I, you know, men told me in no uncertain terms, and that's speaking mildly, that, <laughs> that if I treated a woman this way, there would be consequences. Fuck like, you. Yeah, there were definitely lots of consequences for men that abused women in the fucking 30s or whatever, whenever yeah, you were when, fucking like, born. Child abuse laws haven't, have been on the books way less short than you think, for the record, yeah. and they've never been enforced. They've, to this day... Child pornography and abuse laws are essentially not enforced. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And so just like... But even aside from that, like, these issues still aren't being handled. They definitely weren't being handled in the fucking 50s and 60s. And what I love is it's brief. It's this false narrative. Same thing Bruce Ashford does, the same thing he does. They're saying that, like, 
Because we're aware of these issues, since they just want to blame it on the 60s, the sexual revolution means there's sexual abuse. Well, yeah, he specifically goes so far as to basically say feminism is the reason this abuse is happening. Yeah. He says there has been a breakdown. Back then, men knew what men were supposed to be. Yeah. And now we're breaking down all these concepts of male and female and men and women. And when you do that, he says, when you break down gender, it's Lord of the Flies. He says that. He that so is he his basically says quote that when gender isn't rigorous and terrible, people get assaulted. Yeah. That's essentially what he's saying. In the most patriarchal institution, he's using that. He's saying the reason that the SBC is having this massive systemic <laughs> sex abuse scandal is somehow because feminism, which has never fucking been a well, part of the SBC. He's saying that because of all the genderqueer SBC pastors, people are getting <laughs> yeah, assaulted. Yeah, all the gay affirming pastors in the SBC. So it's just like, also, and so that's why I want to say, like him just thinking himself from this movie, Fuck off, Al mm -hmm. Mohler. You said what you said. You said what you said, and you fucking meant it. So eat a dick. Yeah. I don't... I You got concerned about optics. Mm -hmm. You did not get concerned about the content of yeah. your words. Because when push came to shove, and you had a chance to fucking own a problem that is at your doorstep. That's right. The sex abuse is coming from inside the house. Like, there is no attempt ever to reckon with the fact that this is happening at a massive scale. And the idea that in 2019, as we are trying to deal with these issues mm -hmm. in the SBC, the thing that you are so fucking upset about is women preaching and critical race theory. Oh, we'll get to that. Well, what it's doing, as we'll get to, is that it's saying that, like, by you naming the issue, yeah, you know, things like sexual harassment are, are terms that were invented to mention real things. But it's saying that by you naming the issue, you are making it exist. And it's saying that for racism, and it's saying that for sexism, and it's saying that for sexual abuse. And it, it's, and you see it every day with the police stuff as well. By calling out police violence, you're saying it exists. And yeah. therefore, you are making a problem. The things were fine before. Yeah, if you would just shut up, I wouldn't have to hear <laughs> about it. They do offer one solution. Gosh. Just one. But one solution to the issue of sex abuse in the church. Mm -hmm. And they're like, you know what we need? is some more church discipline and they really go hard on this they're like if we just got back to regenerative church membership and 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 church discipline that would solve these issues and they interview a guy who says okay how is a church supposed to handle abuse and the guy says well first of all call the cops um two things there one cops notoriously bad at dealing with domestic <laughs> abuse yeah Again, you know, we're having this whole conversation about what policing is. One thing that, and the thing that keeps getting, or one of the things that keeps getting brought up is what will we do with the rapists and the abusers if there's no state violence to enforce it? But the state doesn't fucking help yeah. with that. And I, I don't want to say, like, we have been on the podcast before saying that, like, I tend to prefer getting a hold of authorities to keeping it in-house. Yeah, no, the, the standard is not keep it in-house, but neither is, like, it is an obfuscation of the realities totally. of actually dealing with it. In your thing, would you just say go to the authorities? The authorities don't fucking help. How many how many women have you and I talked to that have gone to the authorities for issues of stalking, abuse, rape, only to be demeaned? Honestly. Ignored, told there's nothing that can be done. Of the women that I'm close with, almost all of them. Yeah. Call me back when he hurts you is a regular refrain that I have heard from women that have sought this help. So yes, absolutely, don't try to keep it in-house. We have we have absolutely pointed out that is evil and wrong, but that can't be your answer either 
that can't be the sum total of your answer either. You're not taking any ownership. And then he says, oh, well, what we need is just more church discipline. And then we could actually solve these issues. But motherfucker, what have you had for the past several decades? Yeah. Like, and you guys are running the fucking institutions. Yeah, I love, I love, I mean, it's it's the same thing I love as like when uh, Obama writes a blog post. And they're just like, what we need is, is are these things I'm pointing at. It's like, you're in charge. Yeah. You, you are the power structure. You could have done this. Yeah. You clearly didn't give a shit about this. And and it just goes back to like, the problems are always external. It is always a few bad apples. A few hundred bad apples. A few thousand victims. That's all. That's all. That we know of, for the record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, fucking disgusting. So, okay. So before we get out of here, have... there is one more voice that we need to make sure to give some time to. Because okay. it's one of the only times a woman is allowed to speak it on these issues. It might be the only woman they interview. Yeah, certainly that they interview. Beth Moore gets a couple quotes, but yeah. it's it's always like trying to set it up as a gotcha thing. So they do center one one woman's voice in this like topic. Yes, yeah, the only woman they interview. And she is the host of the Sheology podcast. Uh, billed as Summer White Jaeger for Man, her name. I was so excited for her to be cool. Yeah. Uh, and, and even like the aesthetics of the podcast and, and her look, I was like, oh, yeah. this this is a feminist voice. It's called voice. Sheology. I yeah. was like, oh, this is going to be good. This is going to be interesting. And, and she even looks the part, not to be like put too fine a point on it or be accused of like profiling, but like she looks like someone I would agree with. Like of everyone mm. in this fucking movie, like she is the person that is like closest to our age and like has the vibe, even the way she talks, it's just like okay, she, she's she gonna speak has some... piercings. I expected, <laughs> I expected some no, no septum piercings though; those are of the devil. Yeah. Uh, and she immediately goes in on the most insane trad wife shit. No, it is like turf core hard level. <laughs> she made J.K. Rowling blush. <laughs> uh, so she goes even more funny. Her opening line still kind of sounds like she's going to be arguing for gender equality. She mm. goes, a lot of people are concerned about why the church is spending so much time on gender issues. And she says, the reason is that's where the fight is. And I'm like, yeah, tell me about that fight. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> the next line that she says is, I believe women are so essential to the church that if you take them out of the home and get them acting like men, you weaken them substantially. Uh, and they return to this over, uh, asshole, asshole, asshole says this too. He says the highest calling a woman can have is motherhood, which I just fuck you. Like I, I can't even, I can't even engage just, with that beyond just like you are, you are really bald. He's, of course, women can be other things, but but nothing's ever going to be as good as like it's essentializing women to their genitalia. Uh, yeah, it is a, a, a essentializing not unlike J.K. Rowling. I know, right? Uh, <laughs> And then she goes off on this, like, our culture has been trying to teach us mm. that the way women can reach their full potential is to be like a man. Yeah. Which is just nowhere in feminism. Like, it is, it is just, shockingly it's somehow. It's strange. It's, it's, I mean, none of these people have ever read a book and all of their readings are super tendentious and done in poor faith. Yeah. Yeah. They, well, I think they, most of these people have read lots of books, but I agree that they've read them in poor faith with the purposes of a takedown, not unlike this podcast. Uh, but yeah. And then she goes, if you try to take women out of the home, if you try to put that down, you're slamming God. You have to answer to him. This is what God wanted. You're, you're the one, you're not arguing with me. You're arguing with God. You know, I've talked about before, and this, this actually is relevant. One, I want to have, I want to have some more assholes in this podcast to yell at. <laughs> I would actually, I would. 
but like actually all she's doing is saying i believe this thing about the bible and we would say yeah you're wrong yeah there's no conversation to actually have there's no conversation she just has a very dishonest reading of scripture that she decides is the only reading of scripture and therefore she can tell you what god is so there's no conversation to have because she has six bad assumptions stacked on top of each other yeah and and you could try to impact them all and it would be an infuriating process but the end result is just like how are you how did this happen like uh she then goes in on uh tigers she would say it's tiger neve not tiger and steve (laughs) there we go uh, so she's talking about how Jupiter's so beautiful and tigers have these amazing stripes and our God has created all of this and he's so creative. But you want to say that when he got to women, he just got super boring and he just made them housewives just cause. I'm not saying the issues of gender are complicated, but like yeah. the entire idea, you fucking dipshit, is that plurality and diversity and being different kinds of people and different expressions of gender are different and unique. That's and the fucking valid. premise. You're the one putting people in cages. You're the one saying that this is the only acceptable thing. And you're saying that feminism is about trying to make women act like men, which, God, what a fucking terrible take that is. <laughs> and all feminism is is just trying to give women equal access to the opportunities that have traditionally been afforded to men. Like I'm so tired. Yeah, it, 2020 it is, will never end, Michael. Yeah, yeah, no. It is. It is an incredibly upsetting thing to be spewing with the aesthetics of youth. Yeah, like, I think that's her real uh, talent is is taking this horrific traditional gender role shit and wrapping it up in a cutesy podcast. I, I just want to say her bio. I found her her Twitter is wife to the best man, mom of five. Of course it is. So. I think we need to move forward to what is really uh, the the purpose of this thing. So, that's like the first third, and then they just and, move on. And that's just, they have solved they, they have solved the issue of gender roles in the church. They have solved abuse. They, they have are just solved like, abuse, gender roles. If you were just happy <laughs> housewives, nobody would get hit. Like, that is their solution to these problems. It makes me we have and, that, and that's about, why when we talked about the transformed wife, that's their solution. Yeah, that is, that is absolutely that shit. It is incredibly upsetting, and the only voices that get to speak out against this are Beth Moore and and Dwight McKissick, and they get immediately shouted down. Uh, There is no attempt to do this in good faith. Uh, It's really, really gross, and it just ignores the issue. Dude, people are being hurt in your congregation. Own it and fix it. There's no attempt to do that. No. They're saying, oh, no, that's that's feminism. Well, it, it closes that off. Yeah. It says the only thing this can be are other ideologies because they, we weren't abusing women back when we believed correctly. If we followed the Bible correctly, there would be no abuse, which is something that I could say on some very basic level. Yes, if you guys weren't terrible yeah. fucking Christians, maybe there would be less. If we follow the Bible the way I say we should follow the Bible, exactly. Be fine. If we follow, if if everybody just stayed in their fucking lane. So then it just drops it. Yeah. It assumes that is closed. Women handled. And uh, then. They jump to what really matters to this movie. Yeah, what is much more important than the abuse of thousands of people by the hands of Southern Baptist pastors is evil, godless Marxism. And the actual narrative of this movie, the thing that it really wants to engage with is that at the 2019 Southern Baptist Convention, there was a resolution that was brought up that said that critical race theory and intersectionality were useful analytical tools. Yep. Specifically saying... Subject to the Bible. Mm-hmm. The Bible is their core, but we can use these things to better understand our world so we can preach the gospel to it. 
And this is treated <laughs> as <laughs> the red invasion. This this is their red dawn. <laughs> Patrick Swayze is shooting fucking Soviets. Yeah. Shoot, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this man clearly aspires to be a Swayze type. Like, that okay, is, I aspire to be a Swayze okay. type. That man knew what was that's up. That's not fair. That's not fair. Uh, and so <laughs> it cuts back to the convention and they start talking about these resolutions. And he goes, you know, this shit doesn't really matter. Uh, it's non-binding. <laughs> but, you know, it says something about where our convention's heading. So, you know, there's a committee and they take a look at these things and they craft mm-hmm. the language and think about it. And so it has the appearance of being well thought out. <laughs> so once they bring it to the floor and we get to vote on it, you have to do a lot of work in a very short time. And it's basically making an argument that J.D. Greer and his lib enclave snuck through this resolution <laughs> by like playing with the rules, which for the record is exactly what the conservative takeover did. They did a lot of super shady shit yeah, to course. like make that happen. But that like, oh, you know, they saved this resolution towards the end of the convention. They, they packed it with other resolutions. Yeah, and then They're essentially they re- saying it's pork. Yeah, exactly. That they tried to sneak it by us, but we weren't having that shit. Uh, so then they start talking about what critical race theory is which you know if you want to hear a valuable voice about the role of critical theory and critical race theory in culture and understanding our world there's nobody that i trust more than a bunch of 50 year old white paunchy fucks it's not even a reading it is just plucking it is just crafting a narrative using some of the same words to say what this is so yeah take me through it then we are introduced to dr glenn sunshine and he wants to tell us about Marxism. And so he spends a long time, basically, I'm going to boil him down. Please, God. Because he is just the this old man sitting in a church yelling. Oh, he is He is probably the most consistent talking head through this section of the film, which mm-hmm. is the rest of the film. He shows up over and over and over again. And he has, I should actually say, he has this very professorial vibe. Yeah, he's, he's written books. He's written books. He is sitting there and he is saying like, we have to go back to Here's Karl the... Marx, which is the first time a white person in this movie has said something I agree with. We right. have to go back to Karl Marx. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Again, the premise of this yeah. podcast. And he basically says that, like, the problem with Marx is Marx thought everything was material. Yes. He was a materialist. It was all just, you know, matter. And he didn't believe. Therefore, the problem is it gets rid of God. And then he says that, like, Marx was like, there's going to be a revolution. There never was a revolution. So, so then he, this other guy came along. Gramsci. I think Gramsci's really helpful for a lot of things. We're not going to get super lost. But yeah. Gramsci essentially says that the reason, one of the ways in which the upper classes materially are able to hold on, are, are able to hold materially onto their power is by building other institutions that reify it. Yes. And that's kind of a fancy way of saying that, like, the reason there's not a riot isn't just because of cops, though it is part of that, but that also there's a lot of dogma. Things like every American's an impoverished millionaire. Bootstraps. Bootstraps. Like, the idea that we are all equal, that voting fucking matters, yeah. is part of this Gramscian reality of saying the that like, you have an equal voice. Yeah. It's the hegemon. So they say that is evil and godless. Exactly. And that is what critical theory and critical race theory are built on. They essentially, and they say that, like, basically use that 
to say that like all of Marxist thought, and I want to say this is like pretty far from Marxist thought. Exactly. I don't want to get lost like, on this. They, they but actual up... Marxists and critical theory guys do not spend time together in 2020. No, they, these have become separate institutions at this point. Uh, but they they have to start with Marx because it's e Marx is they've already done the work Every to build Christian him up hates as a Marx villain. Yeah, that I've ever met in the in this sort of world. Uh, yeah, in in this in this area, absolutely, and they have done a lot of work. So when you say we have to go back to Marx, what you're saying is you know it's already bad because we've already <laughs> set that up. And essentially, the argument that they're making is that examining the power structures and institutions of our current world is antithetical to the gospel. They say that is not Christian. They say that explicitly because Marx himself wasn't a Christian. Every single thing he ever said forever yeah. is not Christian. <laughs> Which is funny given that this movie fucking opens up with the lamest agnostic ever <laughs> yeah, whining. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so having established mm -hmm. that critical theory is godless, <laughs> inveterate Marxism that seeks to destroy the church from the inside out. What I, what I briefly, what I love is that they understand none of those words. Yeah, yeah. Well, and he the, actually including makes the, the point. church, <laughs> <laughs> especially, especially. He makes the point. He's like, you know, they're trying to shove this through. And I bet if you ask seventy-five percent of the pastors in the denomination mm. what these words even mean, they wouldn't be able to tell you. Uh, like, like yes. yeah, you are acknowledging the <laughs> ignorance of your denomination. They probably should have read up about it if they were going to be voting on it. So what happens next? Askhol takes to the stands. Or yes. takes to the floor of the denomination. He Robert's rules of orders his dick out. Yeah. Uh, and he says, I have an amendment. Oh, first they have the whole argument about like, oh, we're running out of time. So we want to bundle these. And he starts mm -hmm. yelling. He's like, no, no. And he's like, this was so disingenuous. They're trying to sneak this bias. Look at these evil assholes. And then he gets to his amendment. And he, speaking of disingenuous, has a few changes he wants to make. His proposed amendment. And he says, you know, I appreciate the work that you guys have done. Uh, you know, thinking about this so hard. And what I really want to do is add strength to this resolution. And I hope that this can be heard as a friendly change. And then he says, critical race theory and intersectionality are godless ideal ideologies informed by radical fem feminism. <laughs> and we resolve to remind Southern Baptists that they emerge from a godless secular worldview and we repudiate all forms of identity politics other than the image of God. And so... What is this? Uh, yeah, yeah. And he is also. I want to say this is the endless thing of them like conflating all theories to the left of, let's say Mussolini, mm -hmm. as Marxist, feminist, critical theory, trans, blah blah blah. Like they think it's all the same thing. Oh, well, Whereas, like my left Twitter eats itself on the daily. Yeah, over adjudicating these yeah. differences. No, you said left of Mussolini, but I actually think it's left of like Reagan. Like anything to the left of Reagan <laughs> is treated as this. Um, and so then he tired. rips off his shirt, and it just says "trad wife, bad wife." Uh, you know, just painted on his chest, uh, and then he just <laughs> roars. And I will say. <laughs> Uh, Dr. Woods, who is presenting this resolution, and I think is the mm. head of the committee that looks at these things, uh, a black man in a bow tie, yep. uh, and he just very, very pithily, not, not even dismissively, he's just like, I appreciate what you have to say and the manner in which you brought it. We're going to view this as unfriendly because <laughs> we're absolutely saying that this is just a tool. It's not an ideology. That's not what we're trying to do. We're specifically saying we need to keep 
the Bible, you know, in its proper place. These people, if Karl Marx had come up the technology to cure cancer, Mm -hmm. if Karl Marx had been sitting, if Karl Marx had been sitting in Engel's study and been like, I have done it, I have cured all diseases, they they would say, we can't cure diseases because it comes from Karl Marx. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, cancer has to stick around (laughs) because otherwise the socialists win. God wants us to have cancer. Which is actually what they say with the police. Speaking of cancer. Yeah. Uh, and so, I also love that this is Robert's Rules of Order, the fucking movie. Yeah, this, this is... is a movie about you arguing about a non-binding amendment. That is the biggest cuck shit. Ridiculous. <laughs> like, At a time when the so SBC lame. is is riddled yeah. with sexual abuse, the thing that you want to beat your chest about on the convention floor is not addressing those issues, but the idea that intersectionality is is going to destroy our well, faith. And what he's implicitly saying is that he's going to spend an hour on in talking about intersectionality and not actual Marxism, destroying mm-hmm. Christianity. And he is going to spend 30 minutes dismissing abuse and basically not worried that that's going to destroy the convention at all. At all. Southern Baptists are bleeding members at yeah. an unprecedented rate. More people left that denomination this year than in all of history before. Like, they are dying on the vine. And more importantly, like, wouldn't you care about thousands of people being abused? Clearly not. Clearly not. Like, you're less worried about that than you are about the wording of a resolution that is symbolic. Yeah, and I think I think it's maybe important to say at this point two things one maybe this is the time to get into like how how much this movie is about white male fragility yeah and i i want to say i find that framing at times particularly on twitter or sometimes even in the moment kind of like small yeah like, there is white male fragility Absolutely. obviously You've i'm crying to this podcast, right now you know <laughs> but like i tend to like identity politics is not my chosen frame through which usually to view politics i'm a socialist i tend to believe more in sort of cross-identity solidarity however this movie could not be more about that thing but over and over and over (laughs) again we just see middle-aged men being convinced that acknowledging that the concept of intersectionality exists will defound God himself. The intersectionality one's actually, I think, the most interesting. I, I, I bitched a lot about the Marxism to you, but I actually think the intersectionality one is the most fascinating one to bitch about. Here's all intersectionality is. Yeah. Here's all it is. People. People can be men, women, or whatever, mm-hmm. what your gender is, and white, black, brown, mm-hmm. whatever your color is, and both of those things impact your day-to-day life. Yep. That is... L- all it fucking is. All, All it, it says. is is saying that you are more than one thing and it impacts your life. And that's what you are doing when you say women can't be in the pulpit. You're doing shitty intersectionality, but you're doing intersectionality. Oh, no, 100%. And ah! again, <laughs> I think what, what, what they're doing is turning, uh, you know, a way of viewing the world into uh, just an ideology that seeks to destroy the thing that they, the power structures they benefit from. Yeah. And the truth is, on some level, they're right. Yeah. Well, of course, yeah. They're right because they are 
the thing that critical race theory and intersectionality look mm. at and say, here are the problems with this. Right. They're actually not wrong to be aware of the fact that this shit is coming for them. Because even though this particular resolution is just an acknowledgement that we can <laughs> use these tools to look at the world, they know on some level that they are at the top of the fucking like pyramid right now. Yeah. And that if we start acknowledging power structures, they're going to be the ones that get acknowledged. And they want to spend the next hour telling you why that's bad for the gospel. And again, even as a podcast that like acknowledges identity politics as important, but not the only tool, this entire movie is identity politics from the right because it essentially equates white male Christian theology with theology. And you can't fucking ignore that. Oh, 100%. And then it does a really interesting thing. <laughs> First time. <laughs> yeah. Where it... It does what it attempts to make a takedown mm -hmm. of what intersectionality, critical race theory, uh, liberation theology. It it starts centering those voices, yes. and the intent I think is that you would see that and be scared. Oh yeah, this is great. But it actually gives several minute minutes to diverse voices in the SBC and out, and it is amazing because it's actually the first time the movie starts making sense. Like you actually get a few <laughs> interrupted minutes of great. Yeah. So we talked last week about James Cone, yeah. one of the founders of Liberation we Theology. We generally speaking and really like James Cone. they cut to several different interviews with him <laughs> and just kind of let him go off. And it's fucking rad. <laughs> he talks about like, he's like, what I do is bring the blackness of Malcolm X, the identity. Like mm -hmm. Malcolm X rejected Christianity because he couldn't find his blackness in it. So I yeah. take that from Malcolm and I take my theology from Martin and I put that shit together. Ugh. And that's what I'm here to do. Man, I'm getting amped hearing you recall him. That's and you right. are not one half as cool yeah, as and that. And I am dude. not nearly as cool as him. He goes, I'm as hard on the black church as I am on the white church. But the white church has the power. Mm, preach. Redistribution of power is so essential. This is not about feeling good. If you're not talking about redistribution of power, you're just talking about feeling good. Damn. Yep. Damn. The cross is God taking the side of the victim. His ultimate identification is with the victim. If you are a Christian, you have to side with the victim. Damn. I. It's like jazzing me up to get some yeah. actual theology. No, yeah. To just hear some voices <laughs> what, acknowledging but it's us. So you have to acknowledge. It's hilarious that you would like put this down as an own. Yeah. Like he thinks quoting this man is an own of this man. That is hilarious. And this is why I think that ultimately this man is not a grifter. He is an ideologue. Yeah, I agree like, with that. Because a grifter would have mm. done more to try to make that sound bad. <laughs> but he is such a believer in these terrible ideas that he really thinks that you can present the opposite and it will be viewed the way he wants you to view them. Uh, now, listen, I think for a vast majority of his audience, that is probably true. Totally. When James Cone is saying, white people took a lot of things from black people. If you want me to believe that you identify mm -hmm. with the victim, that you are on the side of what being a Christian actually means, you need to give that shit back. Yeah. Like, like James Cone is like reparations, motherfucker. <laughs> and I guarantee you a large percentage of his audience was like, I didn't own any slaves. And then it, it yeah. does, it, it grabs it, the, the lady that wrote the book White Fragility, which uh, has been recently relitigated because mm -hmm. some people are putting it out as a resource for educating yourselves on this Black Lives Matter defunding the police movement. And some other people are saying, fuck that white lady. There are much better voices that you could yeah. be going to. Uh, she is kind of ridiculous in the clips that they find yeah, her like in this. I'm not here to like get on her side or really get on her case. 
they are able much more easily to paint her as comical. Exactly. Like, I, I think, uh, and then they, they bring in Matt Chandler, who is... Uh, I love that they bring him into woke, to, like, as a woke yeah. guy, when we know he's out here just... We have done an episode on like, Matt Chandler yeah. covering up sex abuse in his church. When we were talking about Acts 29, we were talking about Matt Chandler and how, like, he himself has covered up sex abuse in his church. There have been a lot of issues with Matt Chandler and that whole sort of... Yeah, Matt Chandler's one of y'all. Yeah, He's not exactly. one of us, he's one of y'all. Uh, but it, <laughs> like, from this perspective, Matt Chandler is an evil lib trying to explain white privilege to us. And this, <laughs> every other motherfucker in this movie is so, so ready to talk about the evils of racism in the past. That's and I mean, it's, you know, he wants to he wants to get on Hollywood, but Hollywood is the same thing. Hollywood will make a hundred fucking movies about slavery, about the, about the segregation movement in the 60s, but they really almost never there's a reason for this make a movie about racism and prejudice today because they are complicit in it yeah let's get to some outright villainy shall we <laughs> is that not where we've been i mean i know let's keep let's keep diving deeper into this well shall we okay man uh, we're gonna drown one of these days no we're drowning right now uh we're back to the futurist guy who okay. talked about how he's a baptist before he was a christian and he is saying listen all of us have fallen short we're all wretches, which is a very Calvinist term. Yes. You know, oh, our si- we're all well, so founders sinful. Founders is very reformed, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I understand that people are hurting, but hurting's not the standard. There are things we all have to get over. My, our job is to forgive seventy times seven times. So if I've hurt you, I'm not saying that you have to forgive me, but actually, this is still a direct quote. Yeah. But actually, you do. Incredible. So what this man has to say to people who have struggled under racist institutions and are trying to bring that to the or forefront been is like, yeah, or been abused is, sorry, but you have to forgive me. That's what Christianity says. Like from this man's perspective, one, all sin is equivalent of equivalent harm. Yeah. Which is one of the great evils of Calvinism is, is to take for all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God, meaning that all sins just have to be treated the same way. Mm-hmm. All thing, all bad things that humans do have the same effect. Yeah. It flattens sin. And in doing so, it obfuscates the horrors that have been perpetuated. Then we cut back to Mr. Sunshine, Dr. Glenn, Professor Glenn. Ugh. And he goes, hey, listen. Racism exists, mm-hmm. but you know, it's not as bad as it was in the 60s. I love it when a white man say that. I love it when a white man says, oh, get out. it's not really that bad anymore. Tell, tell that to all the victims, please. And then he manages to say what I think is like the most true thing in this movie that is not coming out of a voice of opposition mm-hmm. to it. And then the least true thing, back to back. And it's kind of fascinating. Well, I mean, that's how it works. Because he delineates this kind of interesting thing that I actually kind of think is a helpful way to look at the church, which he says, like, when we were having this argument over the social gospel back in the 70s, there were people saying that, like, the only thing the church should be is the social work. And then there were conservatives saying, no, we're just evangelism. And they split. And mm-hmm. he goes, that never should have happened. Racism is a gospel issue. Right. We need to, like, these things need to be working in tandem. And there, there are things I could critique about that vision. Yeah. But I think the idea that saying, like, yes, like, the church should not have split along these lines is very, very true. Mm-hmm. And then it cuts away, and it cuts right back. And he goes, so now, let's talk about racism today. And essentially says, the new racism is talking about white privilege. Yeah. He basically says, critical race theory which seeks to decenter white power and white people from being the central sort of force and critiques institutions and places that say that like critical race theory says that like we individually don't have to be racist for racism to be in the water. 
Yeah. And he says, that is being racist towards white people. I have the quote. The new version of racism is a moral racism. Whites are inferior. Morally inferior because they are the oppressors. Whites are the inferior race because of their moral depravity. If that's not racist, I don't know what is. Shut the fuck up. Nobody's arguing that. Black but, people are not arguing that. Yeah. And it's not what critical race theory is about. No, it's, it's an identification of power structures. And you are the one that is saying, like, no, I refuse to identify the power structures. So you're just bitching about white people. Yeah, fuck off. And, like, he, he will use the, like, one 20-year-old who doesn't actually understand anything, who's on campus at a shitty institution anyway, being like, white people are evil. It's like, that's, that nobody actually believes that. Fuck off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I believe it, but most yeah. people don't. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it because I'm evil, yeah. and I get it. <laughs> uh, you fucking Calvinist. <laughs> then we go back to Askel, and I think this is where we can talk about their inability to acknowledge systems. He says, yeah. how do we repent from systemic racism? Mm -hmm. There is no way except for political revolution, and political revolution goes against the gospel. <laughs> what does this motherfucker think go. about Martin Luther King? Like, what, is it, what does this motherfucker have to say about Bonhoeffer? What does this motherfucker like, have to say about George Washington? What does this motherfucker have to say about Martin Luther King? That shit was a political revolution. Yeah. Well, uh, essentially, he's saying the system can never change. It's the thing I've talked about forever. He is saying the system can never change. It should never change. Uh, L'état c'est moi. I am the state. He is yeah. saying that, like, to change it goes against God. Well, what he's saying is because salvation is based around the acknowledgement of your personal failings and developing a personal relationship with God, that because that's what our faith teaches, which on some basic level is true, but because that exists, we cannot even yeah. acknowledge the existence of systems. We can't even acknowledge, as you were saying, Zach, that the people that by his own definition are wretches, are broken, are in desperate need of a savior, that those people would build an institution yeah. that would do harm. I think like, that, that, that yeah. can't exist for him. It's, you know, they, they're an explicitly Calvinist movement. And, and I actually think Calvinism, there's things to take from it, there's things to not take from it, like everything. Like I grew up reformed. I grew up with Calvinism and I, I have moved past a lot of those beliefs, but I actually think one of the most pervasive ones and most important ones is all people are bad. And that like, that kind of makes sense to me. I think one of the, the few things I disagree with most mainline socialists about is that like, they believe people are good. I say, no, I'm a socialist. I believe in building the same systems because I think the systems we have built come from evil people mm -hmm. and they are often evil and we have overthrown them in the past and we yeah. can over and build better ones and we can overthrow them again and build even better ones. And I don't think that's a utopian idea. In fact, I think it's an, you can say people are bad, so we need better systems yeah, for them. He's not, the thing is they don't even understand their own theology. Oh no, absolutely. I mean, yes. All, all of this, I think maybe if we, I could critique us, we even now we are approaching them with a little too much good faith. As if <laughs> yeah, the well, thing that they true. want to do is actually argue these points and not just continue being an, the largest Christian denomination with the ability to influence elections and hold on to power and have little fiefdoms of churches where there is no, like the church autonomy is such a sacred principle that we can't even address fucking rape victims in the church. But if, like, but, but if they dare have a gay pastor, we're going oh yeah, to toss them the fuck in. out. But like all of this presupposes that there's some debate to be had on, on the fact that they are bad theologians and bad Christians. Yeah, they say society is corrupt, yeah. but they won't say that we can, that systemic racism exists. And by the way, what the fuck is question, your problem? That question of how do you redeem systems mm -hmm. is a question we have a lot of good answers for. 
there are a lot of people that have thought long and hard about how we build better systems. Paul you White. motherfucker probably love the American Revolution, which was a <laughs> political revolution that rebuilt the system of what a, like a country should look like. Paul writes to churches saying, "Change your fucking system." He uses that constantly. To Corinth, he's like, hey, don't do it this way. And then he says, maybe my favorite line, and then we'll move forward. He says, this thing that they're offering, it gives people no hope. You're the one who called, says that we're all wretches and can't do anything yeah. better. You are the enforcer of the status quo that has made people so hopeless. You know what gives me hope? Seeing people in the streets arguing um, on behalf of themselves yeah. and allies arguing on behalf of people that do not have the same privileges that they do. That gives me hope. You know what gave me hope earlier this year? having a democratic socialist that made a credible run for the presidency. Did that end poorly? Yes. But we moved the window on what that conversation looks like. You know what gives me hope is that people are becoming aware of the fact that like there are more of us than there are. Yeah. There are actually a lot of things. I, 2020 has perhaps felt the most hopeless of any year that I've been alive. Oh, dude. It has at least been very open in its hopelessness. But I find hope in the response to that. Mm -hmm. And this man saying that, like, you are condemning people to nihilism and hopelessness, I think does, is one of the most villainous things to get said well, in yeah. this mo moment of nonstop villainy. He basically, like, points to the passages they love to point to, that, like, if you're a slave, like, look oh, to... Oh, yeah, like, they, they get into the slavery look, thing. Like, look, to, look to God for your hope. They Like, this is an argument as old as this country. Yeah. As older than this country, but as especially as old as this country, saying that, like, stay in your place and that the only hope I can give you is spiritual because I refuse to in any way address your material conditions because that is unchristian. He, they, by their own argument, Christ feeding the 5,000 was some lib critical gastro theory shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They would believe that because that is not the gospel. They would say only teaching is the gospel. And they would tell a slave to believe in God and they would walk away. One of the other people they interview, who's a history professor at Southern um, Baptist University, mm -hmm. makes the point that if you, if you try to address these material concerns, you remove the beloved hope. And basically, <laughs> you, de, you de-spiritualize Christianity and you make it all about just addressing material concerns. And that like... If we don't keep people as slaves, this is his actual argument. Yeah. If we try to fix that, then they won't know that Jesus can be with them wherever they are. And it is so ass fucking backwards from this old white fuck sitting in a room, by the way, surrounded by pictures of exclusively white male theologians behind him. There's like six of them. <laughs> Some of them are massive. <laughs> and just for him to be like, you know, uh, we probably never should have freed the slaves. I mean, yeah. It's not what he's saying, but it's what he means. It is what he means. Very. So it, then we're nearing the end of this. They bring in a man by the name of Bodie Bachman Jr. This makes me sad. And this is, this is a rough one because Bodie Bachman Jr. is, is a black man. Mm -hmm. And he is essentially on their side with all of this. Yeah. And uh, they give him a fair amount of time. He has two basic points. One... What are we supposed to do? Seminaries are in a catch-22 because if they hire somebody that uh, a black person that agrees with them on these issues, then that's tokenism. They hire somebody that believes in critical race theory and is black. Then they've hired somebody that goes against the very tenets of their faith into their system. And then they can't fire that person because that makes them racist. So, you know, these seminaries really have it tough. <laughs> the seminary victims. Yeah, exactly. The systems are victims. Yeah. 
And then he says, you know, all these people, they're trying to wrap up all these oppressions all together. Mm -hmm. Racism is the same as sexism, is the same as homophobia, is the same as transphobia, is the same as whatever you want a phobia. That's a quote. Oof. Yeah. When people try to tell me, why are you talking about all these other things when I'm trying to talk about this one thing? He's saying like, hey, man, I'm not the one that's connecting all these things. Other people are connecting all these things. Which for the record, is true. Yeah. And the right way to handle it. He he is, hedge him on. He has correctly identified that oppressed people should bond together and care about each other's struggles. And then he is telling you that that makes them wrong. So then we finally cut back to the actual passing of this amendment. Which I love is plays like the climax. Yes. It's the most boring thing. It's so, it, it like... It is it is the worst version of Spotlight, where instead of, like, a list of pedophile priests, we have, like, some people holding up a sign. Like, uh, and there is a very funny moment. So we cut back, and J.D. Greer is standing up on stage as Tom Askell's, like, shitty, unfriendly amendment to this, like, very banal proposition dies on the floor. Yeah. And for a brief moment... <laughs> You see J.D. Greer's mask crack. Or no. You see J.D. Greer's face crack and just a little bit of a smile. And I gotta say, it was pretty likable. Yeah, okay. I, I, so I, like... Fucking... This... Th here we go. Here, Here is our public apology to J.D. Greer. J.D. Greer, everything we've ever said about you is correct. <laughs> and also, your job probably sucks really bad. Your jo his job is impossible. <laughs> I feel like J.D. Greer is just getting... Angry emails. I, in fact, I know J.D. Greer is getting angry emails every single day calling him and godless atheist yeah. lib dick suck. Yeah, with with his with his uh, too tight pants. We said last week that J.D. Greer was Obama in the sense that he was neither he was either unwilling or unable to make the actual changes needed. But he's still probably better. He's a lot better than what came before, and he is probably going to be a lot better than what will come after. For sure, that is still true. But I think the addendum we have to make is that. J.D. Greer never got the first term Obama presidency. No, he, he never, never he never got the Senate. J.D. Greer has been <laughs> no. out here with a handful of people going against this very large and very organized center of Southern Baptist Christianity. And I'm going to say something. The Democratic Party is a hell of a lot less Democratic than the SBC. Yep. Obama had a lot more power he could have wielded over the DNC <laughs> yeah. when you look so, at what the Clintons did to it. And J.D. Greer to, doesn't have that. J.D. Greer does not have that. And it, 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 I resent this movie for so many things, but selfishly, <laughs> maybe one of the main ones is making me feel empathy for J.D. Greer. <laughs> yeah, I don't like it. it. Makes me feel uncomfortable. Uh, yeah. So the amendment passes. We get brief clips <laughs> of Tom Askell on the floor muttering to himself. Yeah, and just sort of generally bitching. Yeah, oh yeah, so much bitching. I mean, that's all the, this whole movie just is. Just kind of is grumbles bitching. near the mic. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of, they spend like 20 more minutes with talking heads, just like shouting down everything from like yeah. homosexual. They get a guy to basically say that homosexuality is the same thing as bestiality and incest, incest and bestiality and because because jd greer has tried to like minimize that focus yeah he said we should whisper about what the bible whispers or he's quoting someone who says we should whisper about what the bible whispers about and shout about what the bible shouts about and it whispers about sexual sin and it shouts about rich people and and they get a guy to basically say a bunch of hateful shit about gay people oh my god yeah i mean just really really we bad delved into a lot of hateful shit but that almost is just like too much for it, me to it was honestly hard to watch yeah and then we kind of go we circle back to the agnostic atheist table where we have james Lindsay. And I kind of kept wondering why they gave Jim, James Lindsay this random sort of Jordan Peterson light motherfucker he really so much is. time. He, he's Jordan Peterson gone to seed. 
So he Jordan went, Peterson, but you have to say he's in a coma. Like yeah. <laughs> they give him a lot of time to just complain. He did a little digging. We're not spending a ton of time on this, but it's like, why is he on this? Yeah, yeah. Every other person guy? in this movie is directly affiliated with the SBC. Every single one, and all of a sudden, there's this random new atheist guy that's just talking mad shit about postmodernity and feminism. And he is just kind of a baby Jordan Peterson. He. Yeah is an agnostic guy who kind of got famous for writing uh, articles uh, that were sort of like meant as a troll and got published in real journals. Yeah. Fine. Great. Uh, He was on Joe Rogan. He's an edgelord. Yeah, he he is. is, He is. He is baby Jordan Peterson. Yeah. And listen, we don't like the Academy very much here, particularly the side of it that is overly concerned with like publishing articles and stuff. So like, let's just say that's a little funny. It's a solid troll. It's a, it's a, what was the name of the? Called the conceptual penis as a social construct. Yeah. It's, it's funny that you managed to sneak in like your shit. Uh, but also like, also fuck off, fuck off. Who cares? But he did it. And the thing is, he's just a hateful gender essentialist douchebag. So fuck off. Of course. And so of course, these people that have been railing about godless Marxist all, all movie are more than happy to give this either atheist or agnostic douchebag who is just an inveterate troll a platform at the very beginning of this movie and then again now yeah and so you know he just complains about a bunch of stuff and then he says like hey if we address these issues we're going to need diverse voices in leadership and they cut to like a bunch of leftists or sometimes just like lib sort of diversity and that like they are saying that they can only be speaking from like black voices and that that or like queer voices or whatever and then that leads to uniformity and if we have some actual diversity if we actually change we will have the death of ideological diversity and that's what this like shitty edgelord wanted yeah that that is the most jordan peterson thing is this like Oh, you know, they're trying to shut down free speech. Oh, if you don't agree with them, then you have no voice. And it's like, no one is silencing your voice. We're just responding when you use it. (laughs) Idiot. Yeah, just incredible stuff. The last 20 minutes are largely a reiteration. There are a couple gems, though. Yes. Uh, Like when Dr. Glenn Sunshine, Mr. Sunshine himself, (laughs) says, you can't even support free market economics if you support critical theory. That was so funny. Uh, that was so funny. What which, like, yeah, fucking correct. Like, because uh-huh. if you actually apply these tools, you will see that our current economic system is deeply, deeply, deeply exploitative. And it's, once again, the SBC saying that, like, the Bible and free market e- economics are inextricable, interlinked, and to criticize one is to criticize both. Yeah. And he goes, you know, if you accept this, it's just going to push you left. We see I that everywhere. That. Yeah, I hope and, so. I fucking hope says, so, buddy. And then he says, he's like, which some people are going to want because, you know, it's very comfortable. You <laughs> won't say anything controversial or end up in Facebook jail. <laughs> I will say I've had some conservative friends end up in Facebook jail. Oh, it's man. Funny. I, what I love about this is that, like, in this entire Mm-hmm. hour that they have spent telling you that oppression doesn't exist that systems can't be racist <laughs> that all of these people are terrible uh who bring this up after they have even more black voices than we've announced there was another guy jarvis williams who's speaking mm-hmm. he's like you people want black bodies but you don't want black voices yeah which is really powerful really good shit. And, and gets treated like an own the the bow tie gentleman uh dr wood who's presenting the resolution has a line where he's like Asks a guy who's like, hey, how do I get more diverse? And he's like, well, have you ever sat under black leadership? And the guy's like, 
no. And he's like, well, then why would black people want to listen to you? Oh, it's, <laughs> I know, it's so good. Just, and then, they're again, they're just being like, see, see. <laughs> that, like, that is implicitly not just radical, but wrong. Yeah. they So wrong on its face, they don't even have to commentate on it. They it's just, assumed. They just present it in trust. But then they go back to Mr. Sunshine, and he says, like, oh, you, they just want to turn us all into comfortable liberals. <laughs> and, like, the oppression that uh. this man acknowledges after saying all this other bullshit is Facebook jail. Facebook jail is the oppression well, that's the that worst Dr. Thing that's Sunshine... That's the worst thing to these people. That's the worst thing that can happen to these people um, is that somebody might not like the shit that they have to say because it's villainous. There, there might be that like uh, Facebook lens saying that like this is inaccurate, which is like, fuck yeah. off, who cares? Yeah, fuck Facebook, fuck, fuck everything Facebook about Facebook forever. Oh, yeah. always, always fuck Facebook. But it's hilarious that that is your oppressor. We cut back to uh Vody Bachman yes. saying that unfortunately the Me Too movement has already been embraced and imbibed by the SBC. Oh unfortunate. Unfortunately, we're discussing these issues. Can you imagine just seeing thousands of people come forward, women and children, yeah. being abused and saying, like, the problem here is that we've internalized Me Too. Me Too. Uh, Me Too, by the way, a movement that we have been highly critical of because if we have seen... Yeah, I believe in its end goals. Oh, yeah. It's just often co-opted by corporate interests. It's co-opted and it's it's only applied when it's not Joe Biden. The end goal yes. of what he's saying is that critical theory as a concept kills God. It will destroy the church. <laughs> so this non-binding resolution that affects nobody actually, they think is going to destroy their entire... M- what did they say? 15 million person yeah. institution from the inside out. I can't think of anything more fragile yeah. than the idea that encountering a thought or acknowledging the way the world really is. Cause like we can argue about the ways critical theory both does mm-hmm. and doesn't do that. The things that it's good at and the things that it's bad at, but acknowledging, which we as socialists believe that the world is very much defined by power structures, totally by material, an ideological oppression mm-hmm. that affects um, all of us in various ways, and particularly people of color. Absolutely. In this country. If, if nothing, if we've seen nothing else in the last few weeks nationally, we have seen that. And this is the thing. An acknowledgement of reality is going to be the thing that kills God, which I think is maybe the most honest this movie gets. Because yeah. on some level, I think these guys know that if they start having to acknowledge how fucked the system is, it's going to come for them. And they don't want that. Yeah. I mean, what it says is what he said in the beginning. He was a Baptist before he was a Christian. I would say he could have just said I was a Baptist instead of a Christian. It ends with Tom Askell doing the call to action. <laughs> Hilariously, his call to action is to show up to the convention and vote. So his call to action is ostensibly exclusively for, like, pastoral members of the SBC. Like, I, it's, it's very funny compared to God's Not Dead being like, everyone text everyone. This guy's like, Hello, fellow pastors, the only people that I care about that are watching this. Uh, and then he says, we got to show up in June of 2020 to the convention and vote and get this out, which is, <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Yeah. Of all the terrible things that Corona has done, I'm happy that at least one good thing has come of it. Uh, and, and then he, he apologizes for not speaking up sooner uh, and, and basically says we need to pray the marks away. It's 
it's so small, so paltry. Yeah. The god they believe in can be destroyed by acknowledging that racism exists. Yep. Fuck you. Uh, I don't want that god. I don't want you. Yeah, if, if that is truly your god, then you're right. You you do have a lot to repent and, of. And, he, and like I said, here's what they're actually doing. They're actually just saying that, like, if, if, if we acknowledge this stuff, maybe we destroy the SBC. Well, you know what? We're on the same page, I guess. Absolutely. And I think that uh, anything, however small, however meaningless, however, however carefully worded, that threatens the institution, that the, the edifice that they have built, the golden calf that they have constructed, that tells them, hey, you might have to rape less. They're going to come out with everything they got, which in this case is a shitty two-hour takedown video with some pretty dope music, which it also goes out on. Man. Music is really good. Thank you. Thank you, Tom Askell. You are a monster of the highest order, but I really appreciate how easy you made it for people to know that. Yeah, I appreciate this this uh, this clean of a summary. Yep. Thank you so much. So, Michael. I think it, it really does beg the question, like, what value does the SBC have? There will mm-hmm. always be people in even terrible institutions doing good work. Of course. Uh, but I think this does beg the question, is there something here to be saved? We heard Southern Baptist voices, pretty much exclusively black ones, but that were saying really powerful things and trying to address these problems and trying totally. to be open and honest about it. Like there is, I think, a chance, but by and large, we have to acknowledge Southern Baptist Convention was created to so they keep having slaves. Yeah, it has continued as a force of politically conservative power. Uh, it has been wrapped up in everything from pro-life uh, debates. The wrong side of segregation, the wrong side of slavery. Like it is it is batting O for about a thousand at this point. And I kind of wonder if perhaps it's time, like the police, to abolish them. Yeah. If perhaps all Baptists are bastards. Exactly. As we have experienced in our own church recently, when you have too much of your institution fighting against the change that you need, at a certain point, you just have to go build a better institution. Amen. My name is Michael Tabor. You can find me at Michael Tabor on Twitter. My name is Zachary Allard. You can find me at Zachary underscore Allard. And you can follow the pod at at shitty underscore pod. Thank you so much to everyone who has listened. Thank you for the people that have reached out. Thank you to the people that are doing real valuable work right now to try to build better systems. Something these people just can't even believe in. Uh, Thank you guys. We will see you next week. Be well. Number nine, 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 number nine.